Welcome to Fear Less, an audio series designed to help you take action towards letting go of your eating disorder. My name is Jessica Flint, and I'll be your guide to helping you embody the recovered version of yourself. Like every human being ever to walk this planet, you and I are not immune to fear. It is biologically programmed into our brains. At the same time, I'm committed to not letting fear control my destiny and want you to have the same freedom. Every time we choose courage over fear, we grow stronger and receive what we desire most in regards to our recovery, our health, love, wealth, and impact in the world. In order to fully let go of your eating disorder and whatever is holding you back in life, you need to learn how to alchemize fear into courage. So let's lock arms and do this work together. Welcome back, my warrior loves. Today, we're going to be talking about head goals versus heart goals and why it's super important to be able to differentiate between the two when you're setting goals because one is going to lead you down one path that will lead to ultimate fulfillment in life and the other one can leave you down a path of frustration and feeling like you're just not getting there enough or what I like to think of as an achievement trap where you're just falling into this trap of always feeling like you need to achieve and you're never quite making the mark. And when we can focus on our heart goals versus our head goals, trust me, your your life will start to take on a whole new trajectory and you'll actually be able to accomplish more. So I'm very excited to get into this and along for this fearless journey is my co-pilot Andrea Wells the new host of Recover Strong, and she's had some new shows come out lately. So Andrea, welcome. Love having you here and love <laughs> seeing like your work come out into the world. Oh, thank you. It's been so fun. I love doing this with you. I've been having so much fun with Recover Strong and new interviews. So thank you, Jessica. Yeah, the latest one with Nia. Nia, I'm a big fan of Nia. Nia rocks. Oh, Nia. I know I've been a fan of Nia for like a year. And like, I think we talked before in a previous episode about like you like interviewed all your like dream guests and like Nia was one of them. So I'm glad I got one of my dream guests so early. <laughs> <laughs> You're starting off strong on Recover Strong. Yes. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> well, since the last Fearless episode, Andrew and I both got knocked down by the COVID. Uh, so I may have a little COVID cough here. <laughs> I definitely uh, heard definitely. a little COVID in my <laughs> Nia interview as well. I think I'm a little better today. So yeah. We're recovering. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna have to like mute it, start coughing. Oh man. Well, this this show is really near and dear to my heart because I absolutely love goal setting. It's something that I've loved since I was a young girl. I mean, I've always just been into this idea of like having these targets that you want to hit. Now, when I had an eating disorder, wow, that desire to set goals and that that really fueled the eating disorder. And that's why I think this is such a great topic to talk about because goals can really drive you in positive directions, but they also can drive you in very negative directions. And this is really topical because this weekend, I'm going to actually be doing a live workshop with the annual members of the Courage Club. And we're going to go through a program that I created wow, back in 2017 called Map My Year. And this is an annual event that I would do every year. And year after year, it's just gotten more refined. And now it's really distilled down into these three parts, these three core processes that you know have hour-long training videos associated with them, and then activities 
three activities that go with each part. So it's really this beautiful process of being able to map out your year in a very heart aligned way. Meanwhile, also taking into account, you know, head goals. I'm not going to knock head goals and we'll get into what the difference between heart goals and head goals are here. But this this process can be really helpful to to do because if we don't have goals, we kind of are in some way just being like a rudderless ship. Like it really is good to have a target that you're aiming for. And once again, it's just making sure that target is in good alignment. Like I love this word alignment, right? To making sure you're aligned with your recovery and and what's going to help you get there. And so as we explore heart goals versus head goals, I do want to let anybody know if you're interested in going through Map My Year and getting access to all of these training videos and activities that we have a super podcast special going on at recoverywarriors.com slash mindset. Or if you go to recoverywarriors.com slash mindset, you will get hooked up with a listener special and be able to get access to all of these. And it comes with, well, just to kind of clarify, it comes with the mindset makeover in addition, because I think it's so important to be able to do the mindset clearing work first or get aligned in your mindset, then set the goals. Because if you're setting goals from a really unclear, fuzzy, confused mindset, your goals are going to be fuzzy, unclear, and therefore you're just wasting your time. And that's why I personally don't set goals until around mid-January. And I've always been this way. I always feel like I'm. people think I'm like late to the goal setting party. I'm like, no, honey, I'm arriving just in time. Because when people are setting goals over the holidays, they're coming from this really chaotic mindset of just like, the holidays can bring up so much in people and like all the food and all the different activity. I mean, it can. It, I feel like the goal setting now is much more powerful because you can get to a, a different state of being than over the holidays. Uh, so Andrea, have you set your goals yet for the year? Like how has that process evolved for you over time? Yeah, well, in the past, um, a lot of my New Year's goals were just diet culture stuff, right? Which I think is super common. And it, so in years since then, since I've started recovery, I think I actually, part of my healing has been to not make a point to set New Year's goals. Um, I kind of set goals as they come. I mean, I do have one kind of coincidentally, I started working on it in the late part of 2023. And I'm. it's going to be a big focus for this new year, which is taking steps to move back to Canada. I live in the US now. And that's one of my big goals and big things I'm working on for 2024. Um, I have a little bit of a timeline and I have you know small steps. I'm literally working on stuff this week for it. We're hoping to move in 2025. And that's kind of like a big project. I'm going to be tackling one small step at a time. And that is my my big goal to focus on for, for this year. That's awesome. That's something that we really work on and map my years, getting a big goal or big goals in, in key areas of your life and then chunking it down to actually be able to make it happen. Like, how do you actually make these these things like recovery, right? It's such an abstract concept. Like going, moving to Canada is not. That's a very like, did you do it or not? Like that's a check the box. But some of these things in life are more abstract. Like I can't, I can't send you recovery. I can't go onto Amazon Prime and get recovery primed. Like it, it's an abstract concept. So I think so many people get confused. Like what's recovery? And so being able to know what recovery is for you, what's your vision of recovery is such an important thing. Like, cause then you know what you're working towards and you can know if you're there cause you can start to feel it and you can be embodying it as opposed to just thinking like it's some line in the sand that I cross and then I'm there. And yeah, so goal setting in, in that way, um, 
I find is different with recovery as opposed to like very, you know, I'm working on my book, for example, like that is a very check the box. Did it happen? Did it not happen? Uh, and so, and then what can I do though, in order to make that process more enjoyable, more of a valuable life experience? So even with Canada, like how can you make this more enjoyable? How can you connect more with your family and friends and like through the process? So getting all that you can get out of the experience as opposed to just making it this to-do list item that needs to get checked off or completed. So with with Map My Year and this process of heart goals versus head goals is when we start to look at, and I think it's really important to start to embody this. So as I talk about this and you know, maybe you're driving so you can't close your eyes or wherever wherever you're at. Maybe at another point in time, you can really start to practice this. This is something I do actually fairly often in the decision-making process is I connect with my head, heart, and my gut. So I will check in with something and I'll feel into it and I'll feel into how my heart feels when I think about this decision, how my head feels when I think about this decision, and how my gut, if I feel anything in my gut. And this is just a way to practice slowly getting more into your body as you know with an eating disorder for the most part it very much feels like you're living in your head and it's like a battlefield up there and there is a lot of disconnect between the heart and the gut and just the body in general so being able to step into how does this feel and then the head you may find that there's like pressure there or that there's a lot of anxiety uh like lack of clarity i don't know how this is going to happen uh, or sometimes things can feel really euphoric in the head, like this is going to be amazing. Uh, but the heart, what I really want to focus on, when you tap into the heart space, when it when it's uh, an expansive feeling that is a very different sensation than when it's a contraction feeling. So when you start to think about certain goals that you're setting feeling into the heart space and seeing, do I feel contraction in this or do I feel expansion in this? And sometimes things that we start to like add on, because a lot of people who struggle with eating disorders are also recovering people pleasers, meaning they overextend themselves and they give too much. And so then therefore kind of left depleted and feeling like there's no space for them to rest or to even focus on their own self-care. So with that said, it's starting to feel like adding on this another thing to my to-do list or is this is this creating more tension in my body or is it creating more relaxation in my body um andrew have you ever worked on kind of identifying the difference between how something feels in the head versus the heart and the gut by the way andrea totally i winged this episode with her so she's coming in with like a minute of prep. So I'm talking more than her just because she's like, yeah, if you could kind of cover a bit more. So whenever I ask Andrea a question, if she she's totally on the spot right I'm now. I'm along for the ride. She's totally along for the ride. <laughs> um, well, to answer your question, and yes, I'm just, I'm winging it. I'm on for the ride. I'm having fun. Um, I feel like I've had to have those moments with the goal and the decision that I made to move back to Canada. Like in my head, it's, especially financially might be I don't know what word to say in, in my head financially I'm like it might be a wise decision to stay in the U.S. because we have we own a home here and it's really just about owning a home and it'd be really hard to own a home in Canada especially because we're going to move to BC which is notoriously high real estate and when you 
become a new resident, even if you are a citizen and you move back, there's like certain rules and restrictions on um, buying houses. It can be a couple of years. So anyway, I'm, I'm like, am I going to throw away this home ownership thing or you like keep it? Like, what am, what am I going to do here? And like, there's still the topic of like, do we keep the house when we move? But there's in my head is a lot of like financial stuff, a lot of practical stuff. But when I listen to my heart and my gut, oh God, it's like, who cares? Go rent something. You don't need to own a house. You want to be home. You like BC's home, Canada's home. You love it there. Like none of this matters. It's just money. Like you can figure it out. It's not, don't base your whole life and like what my heart is calling me for. So I've definitely had to reconcile those things with the decision that I just shared. And as you've been mentioning, it so ties into recovery as well, because those head goals are goals that are put into your brain by diet culture or hustle culture or things that don't really feel your heart. So I've had to be there as well in my recovery journey is like, does my heart really want to work 80 hours a week and restrict food and be on a binge restrict cycle? Hell no, it doesn't. That's not what's good for my heart or my soul or my gut. So these are things that I think you have to reconcile with with recovery as well. I mean, at the end of the day, like an eating disorder is just a series of decisions. And I know this sounds really simplistic, but it really is just a series of decisions based off of emotions that one is experiencing and thoughts, uh, whether they're from early on in your childhood that have been deeply woven into your body and your system and how you worldview. But that's how like, if you really want to change the course of your life, you change a decision by decision because every decision is just a little fork in the road. And if you make 10 decisions going right, you're going to end up way farther than 10 decisions going left. And we want to start to just have this internal compass of like, what is the decisions and where do I want to get in my life? And, you know, over the years, I've really come more into this thing, idea of like, I'm also co-creating with a higher power. This is like greater force. So for me to see with such a limited view of my ego that I know exactly how things are supposed to work out. Like whoever thought COVID was going to happen? How many plans did that F up? How many like life changes created like people like it's like divorces that came out of that or like job losses that came out of that but like also great loves that came out of that like so much came out of that so for us to be like we know exactly how this is going to work out and that like whatever I'm, my mortgage at x percent by this time like yeah okay but you don't even know what the frick is going to happen in two years from now no one does right so that's the thing as humans we really actually don't like to feel that we're vulnerable but we're actually really vulnerable as a species we try to create all these things to make us feel that we're safe and secure. But like at the end of the day, we have to recognize that we are in fact vulnerable. And we do not know what is ahead. We can continue when pressing onwards, whether we're going to be in a fear state of anxiety or a love state of surrender and trust. But it, it, like you can go into those, the future with both of those states held sometimes, you know, within you, like at different points, not to say that like if you have anxiety and fear that you're doing this thing called life wrong, <laughs> but at the same time, is that dictating everything? Like, is that your driving force that everything is coming from this, I need to control and predict because let's just look at the reality that that's not something that you can actually do you can make, you can do little things, right? There's things that you can do. So I'm not saying, but there's also this idea of like surrendering into the unknown. And I feel like that's when the heart starts to speak more because it's more of an intuition. It's more of a knowing. It's a beingness. It's like a feeling state. It's attached to your values. 
That's when you're looking at making heart goals versus head goals. You're aligning with your values. And Andrea talked about hustle culture and diet culture. Sometimes those values you think are your values. I like to think of it as like this virus, like a little COVID virus that just like injects itself like onto you and like puts all this like, you know, like poison into your system. And then that's what you feel are your values. But as you start to heal and detoxify from that, you recognize, wow, I actually have a whole different value system than diet culture, than hustle culture. And I want to live that because this is my one precious life. Really coming back to the idea, like this is this is it. The earth suit you got, this is you and your earth suit in this time period. Who knows what happens after that? Like we don't truly know. Many people claim they know, but no one truly knows. So like, can we enjoy this moment? Can we enjoy this life? Can we even enjoy this year from a state of love and trust and surrender versus fear and anxiety and control? How's that hitting with you, Andrea? <laughs> That's deep. I mean, I know I, I can promise anyone that your true heart does not want to live with the rules that your head is telling you about an eating disorder. And and that may be hard to believe, like you're so used to it. But it sounds like Matt, my year is going to be about really separating those things, really leaning into your heart. And maybe it takes time. And yes, we can have our goals. We never know for sure what's going to happen. But a big part of reaching goals is the things that you do every day and the here and now. So it's kind of like reconciling the long term and the short term to live your best life now and later, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, it's being able to tap into that long term vision, which we do in Matt My Year, and then breaking into like the short term goals, but also habits, like ways of being. Because, you know, I used to, this part of the goal setting process did, because I'm a big picture thinker, I'm a visionary, like I definitely can see like a, a future, right? Like more connected to the future mm. than sometimes the present, which has been a huge practice for me to come into meditation, to come into the present, into my body. And it's it's been a process. It's not something natural to me. That's what I want to say. But I do it now and it's very helpful for me and it has allowed me to deepen my own trust in life and self by being more in the present as opposed to the future. But for a while, I did find that the actual then of attaining the goal, the mundane things, like the practical things were always like, oh, okay. So now like if I want to write, that means I actually have to carve out three hours a day and like write even if I don't feel like it. Like so or, you know, start to make uh, these trade-offs where I have to spend time reading fiction books now as opposed to nonfiction books because I really have a limited amount of time that I'm going to read. And so like I have to start like doing these little shifts and sometimes it doesn't always th these changes don't come natural and they can feel cuz it's wiring like you know new habits into your into your life into your day and that can that can feel foreign at times uh, but but things can change <clears throat> they can and i'm thinking about again with my move there's lots of little mundane things even though my heart is calling me to move back to canada i know i want that in my heart there's little mundane things like I'm arranging a large trash pickup. I have some junk in my garage, some old furniture that isn't worth reselling, isn't even worth donating. It's garbage. Um, and I'm arranging a pickup and I'm thinking about like, okay, so I'm organizing the stuff in my garage to have it ready to go out to the curb. And that's like it's pretty mundane, right? But also at the same time, 
I'm thrilled because I'm like, this is one thing I need to do. We need to get rid of this stuff because we're going to move in a year and we can't move this stuff and I'm doing it now. And this is to my big picture goal. And I'm excited to move this crap out to the curb for the junk truck to come pick it up. Like really like when I keep in mind, like the short term and the long term goal and what my heart wants, it makes those mundane things a little more fun. And not every time, but some moments I'm like, I'm so excited to be moving this junk out of my garage. Yeah. It feels good when we can complete these tasks. I actually, um, in the Courage Club for this week's Monday Mindset video, I talked about energy leaks. That's what was our theme for the week. And this is idea when we like have these things that we know we need to do, they kind of take our energy because they're working in the behind, like the behind the scenes in our processing mind of our mind, the processor of our mind. We're still like churning around. I need to do this. I need to do this. And then, and I feel like it's a lot of these like mundane, logistical, bureaucratic things. But then when you do them, oh my gosh, how fulfilling it feels to just be able to be like done. But then, uh, you know, one of the members also mentioned how many things do I actually have to do? So I think this is where we start to learn the word no about things. In your case, Andrea, yes, that's like 100% an amazing high five, pat on the back. I did this and it's like moving me one step forward. Then also looking at some of these things that do become head goals or head things that we think we need to do. And there are things that we've committed to primarily out of a um, out of a need to try to prove our identity or self-importance. Or a lot of times, if you're overextending yourself and saying yes to everything, it's because there can be these unconscious drivers to want to feel needed, like that you are the one that people depend on. And that can create some value in your life because you feel like, you know, you're the one that everybody turns to and and kind of that idea that this is who I am and I'm a giving sacrificial person. And so starting to like work, okay, but then I also need to make sure that I have enough time. Like at the end of the day, we really all have a level playing field on time. And I find that's very fascinating. No human has more time than another human, all of the same amount of time. So how we distribute it and how we prioritize it is so key. And this is when we look at, am I distributing it towards things that are aligned with my heart? Meaning like what I, my intuition feels, my values, what I want to say when I get to the end of my life, that I got to live and experience and be my soul, like my deeper soul calling, maybe a mission. Maybe some of you guys feel like you have this strong mission within you, like you just really want to do something or contribute into the world or to your family or to society in some way. And head goals, head ones are going to be more from the ego, more from the intellect around, I need to rationalize this. This is this is going to keep me protected in some way if I if I do this, if I do this, then this will happen. Um, it, yeah, kind of tries to feel like it has more of a compulsion to attach to it. Like I feel like these are these ones with achievement. Head goals can be really wrapped up in numbers, I find. Like I need to lose this much weight by this time or I need to um, recover by this date. I need to do a marathon so I can – have a consistent running schedule. Like these are these are all things that could be turned into heart goals. Not to say that none of these things are not possible or worthy of your time and energy. Recovery, of course, is. And even if you want to run a marathon, there's ways you can do it that are aligned with your heart and listening to your body as opposed to forcing your body. So I think there's more of this like gentle reception listening versus forcing 
trying, striving. I find that like head goals tend to be something that pull you, like they they pull you because there's an attraction there. And head goals are ones that push you more. Like you feel like you have to do it. You, should do you do mean it. heart goals pull you? You said head twice. It did, I think I said that. Yeah. When I <laughs> okay, said that, yeah. I was like, wait a second. Yeah. The heart goals, one, heart pull goals. You. I know you looked a little confused. Andrew's <laughs> face was like, um, yeah, no, heart goals. Thank you. Heart goals are the ones that feel like they're pulling you, that you're, okay. there's an attraction. There's like an affinity. Okay. Like it's just kind of pulling you. Like Canada, like maybe it's just like pulling you. Like you feel drawn to it. Like, ah, uh, like there can be a longing almost with a heart goal. It just feels like there's this like resonance and like it's attracting you. And a head goal is something that you feel it's like more of a push. It's pushing you. It has more of that should when you're shooting on yourself, that should quality to it. And, uh, and starting to really like step into, you know, feeling into that difference in your body. Like, does it feel like you have to do this or is it, do you want to do this? There's, there's a big difference between wanting to do something versus having to do something. Yeah. And feeling like you should. And I think you brought up another good way to differentiate what might be a head goal versus a heart goal. And that's thinking about like, yeah, if you're at the end of your life and you're going to look back, what are you going to be glad that you did or glad that you didn't do or wish you did more of? And I've, there's like people, there's like studies and articles and research out there about people who like interview people on their deathbed and ask them what they wish they did more of or did less of. And it's like pretty universal. Most people are like a lot of these head goals that we're talking about, like people realize when their life is over that it didn't matter. And it's really like the connection and the heart goals and the love and the fulfilling stuff that they were either glad they did or wish they did more of. And you can like, you can look this stuff up and that's, that's been helpful for me with like recovering in my mental health journey and my eating disorder journey to really differentiate those things, which sometimes can be hard to figure out, but there's, there's ways to, to separate your head, your heart, your gut (laughs) and figure out what really is pulling you in an authentic way. Yeah. It's a practice too. So first with any practice, it's going to feel awkward. You're going to wonder if you're doing it right. Like, but it really is just starting to see that, yeah, there's there's a different sensation in these different parts of our our body that when we turn to and we're looking at these goals. And so, so many people just set goals from, from the headspace. Like, how is this going to serve me? How is this going to benefit me? How is this going to make me money? How is this going to make me like social – how is this going to give me more social currency? Because let's look at the, the body as some people put – put this energy around believing that their body, their appearance is going to give them more social currency, which in our culture, we that could be something that could be debatable that like there is more social currency that you can get if you're in a different body size. And having to start to recognize that there's so much more currency though in terms of like how you, I like to think of currency even like current, like energy. Like when your energy is aligned and your energy is radiant and it's you, it's connected to the, you know, the uniqueness of you, that's a totally different energy than it trying to be just conformist into what you need to be to fit into the box, the mold in order to fit in. And that energy ends up, as we said, like dim down or double down, that's like a dimming down energy. Double down energy is when you're allowing that to fully like shine and and come through. Uh, so for heart goals versus head goals, I have a couple questions that can help people help you, dear listener, uh, to start to really understand when you're setting any goal, 
And once again, I do recommend going through Map My Year. I will be available to answer any questions or comments if when you're going through it inside of the course. So if you do want to like get hooked up with that and really be a part of this experience, you can even go through it over the weekend with uh, all the other warriors that are going to be participating. But it is something that you can also do at any point in the year. I regularly go back to my map my year because that's the actual point of it. It's to create checkpoints. So I review my milestones and I review my maps uh, at least every six months, but I often like to do it quarterly just to have that maintenance, to have that like, okay, if, you know, if you're navigating anywhere, you're going to wonder like, let me get a, a read on the GPS. Like, are we, am I going the right direction? <laughs> like, okay, <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> Let's keep going. Or like, no, actually you took a left turn over there in Tulsa and now you're going way off course. So when we go off course, we can, you know, if we're not catching that, next thing you know, you're like, dude, I just pissed away like seven years of my life. <laughs> like, that sucked. I could have, <laughs> I could have, I could have changed direction maybe a little bit earlier. I, and, and that's why I do like to do this process because I do believe life is something that you can make the most out of it. We'll have hard times in life. You'll have challenges. You'll have obstacles. This is everything that we cover inside of this, like how to anticipate obstacles, how to work with them. But I do find that when, no matter what, if you're living according to your heart, no matter what happens, you're okay. Like no matter what loss you have or thing that didn't work out according to what the ego mind wanted it to look like, you're cool. You're good because you're actually in the right container. You're in the right direction. Like you're steering on the right path because you're in alignment with your heart. Um, so yeah, if you want to go to that, I'm going to just share the link again. It's recoverywarriors.com slash mindset. And we'll have that below in the episode notes. But I... I just love sharing this workshop. Once again, it, I've put so much time and energy and love and passion into it. And people who go through it continually check back with me and say like, oh my gosh, this is the second year I've gone through the workshop. And it's just like, I've checked off everything I did practically. And like my life is in a different place. I don't even believe recovery is possible now, like back then. And now it's totally possible. And I'm living it. So it's like, Things can change in your life if you're putting the right momentum and energy and focus and alignment into it. But these are really helpful questions for you to, to look at when you're setting any of your goals is to ask yourself, I have my little paper here, if no money or social currency came from achieving this goal, would I still do it? Okay, so if no money or social currency, meaning validation, praise, um, all these comments that people would give you because of or you know how they would perceive you in a positive light if nothing of that if you did not get any of that would you in from achieving this goal would you still do it so if if, if this you know essentially if um this happened with nobody like that concept like if a tree falls in the wood and then what is it? Does it still make a sound? Yeah, <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> like if you were to achieve this goal and nobody was to ever know about it, and like you got nothing from it, would you uh, still do it? Oh, that's really good. <laughs> I've like, been doing like that lately. Zero... Huh? Have, have you been thinking about it that yeah. way? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been sharing um, a little bit about like my joyful movement journey, and I think 
part of like maybe like a head goal or a societal thing is feeling like, oh, like if you didn't post that you went on a walk or went for a bike ride or whatever, like did you really do it? <laughs> and then part of I've just been realizing like I feel I've been feeling a pressure to do that. Like, oh, what if my friends are thinking why I haven't sent them a picture of the path on while I'm on a walk? What if they think I'm not moving enough or like something? And then I'm just like a couple weeks ago I was like screw it. I'm not telling anyone anything. Like, I'll tell my husband where I'm at in case I go missing. I'm not sending anyone pictures. I'm not posting anything. I'm not taking pictures. And um, that's been really helpful for me with my joyful movement journey, which is something that I've been putting a lot of mindful effort on lately. <laughs> I go for walks. That's a big part of my... Or bike rides down the pathways around here. That's one of my big things right now. <laughs> but you wouldn't know it. I'm not telling anyone <laughs> anymore. <laughs> And then it's just like that. What I love about stepping more into that that type of space is that it's like an allowance that you're giving yourself permission to not post. But then it's like you can give yourself permission to post when you want, versus not needing to post. Like and having like that be I have to right. So it's it's just so much more flexibility when we're working with our heart goals because there can be this rhythm to it. I find like it. It's much more of like a yeah. There's like a can be more of a rhythm as opposed to this like structure type of thing because the problem Mm -hmm. with the head goals is we tend to want to put a lot of structure around them and like you know i'm a fan of the smart goals i don't know if you guys have heard smart goals but specific make it specific measurable attainable realistic and time bound great i love that there's a lot of value in that but that's very head goal driven and it's so sometimes when we don't do it perfectly then we just abandon it all together and we're like oh i didn't do it i didn't hit it by this time or like I didn't hit this exact measurement or this, you know, number again, like this metric, therefore I failed. And it's so sad how people just will like end doing something because they didn't do it perfectly and or they didn't hit that exact structure of it. So it's a little more fun to have the flexibility where if you want to share, you can share. If you don't have to share, there's no like, if I'm in order to do this, I must be sharing it. Uh, So I think that's Gives yourself more grace and space to do it however it feels in the moment. Um, yeah, and so this this is a really helpful question to ask because in Run This By, a lot of decisions you made in life that were off track. Like this is so helpful to look at retrospect. If you ever want to learn from yourself and your patterns, look at your past. So like when you look at that, you know, when I was in my PhD program three and a half years in, would I have done that if there was no social currency or money that would come from it. Well, first of all, in your PhD, you're like making no money. Uh, so it's like delaying your <laughs> by like seven years. But no, if I wasn't to have gotten the PhD, like that was a total head goal. That was something that was totally attached to, I am a woman of intellect, you know, and therefore I have, I can prove it because I have a PhD. I'm not saying this is for everybody who has a PhD. Like I'm not knocking that pursuit at all. Like, I think it's beautiful. A lot of my friends have PhDs and I, I just, I, I can see that, you know, there's a motivating, that's part of their career and they want to keep going on that path. So not knocking that, but for me personally, that was a motivating factor was the prestige essentially of it. And so three and a half years in, Heart was like, girl, you are so off path. Like, this is not what you want to do with your life, even though it's there's fun aspects to it, right? So a lot of times when we have to make a decision, and decision, if you look at the etymology of it, it really is just about cutting something off, like decidir. It's like you have to remove something. So when you're making a decision, 
you do ultimately have to say yes to one thing and no to another thing. And that's why the recovery, and that's why there's going to be so much ambivalence in decision-making because it's like, well, but I like this part and this part. Like I did like a lot of the aspect of the PhD and like my lab mates and like the flexibility and just this being a <laughs> perpetual student. Like that was, that was fun. Uh, you know, you're in the little like universal wing of like gentle mama bird of the university and like you feel like you're all in that nest and but then you have to start to like say no to to certain things and in order to say yes to others so I, I'm just want to put that out there a lot of times when we are following our heart we do have to make sacrifices or let go of things that have served a purpose the eating disorder is a classic case of like, it has served a purpose in your life. There has been value that you've extracted from it. And letting go of some of those things can feel like a big loss. And there's grief that's there. There's a recognition that it is a loss, that it does mean something to you. And so, yeah, I just want to say that. Uh, did you feel that with your recovery, Andrea, that there was like parts where you're like, you know, like this, this, this wasn't an easy decision that I had to make at certain forks in the road. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, well, there's the the loss, as you're saying, because yeah, eating disorders do serve something. Is it serving you in the best way for you? Probably not, but it does give you something. And that's why you keep going back to it. There's a safety and security in it, even if it is, <coughs> pardon me, even if it is not the best thing for you in the short term or the long term. And I think there is a difficulty in, letting that go. And there's also like a fear of the unknown because if you make a decision, you're saying hello to one thing, you're saying goodbye to another thing that you've known for so long, then there's this big unknown uncertainty. And that can be scary as hell as well too, which is also what makes decision making so hard or figuring out what your head or your heart wants so hard because there's like the unknown is humans. We don't like the unknown. We don't like uncertainty, especially if you have an eating disorder. You want to know, you want to have control and know what's going on. So I think, yeah, fear of the unknown, the FOMO, like what am I missing out on if I decide this versus this or what will happen? I don't know. That can be really hard as well. Yeah, I agree with you. So that was the first question, just to say it again here. If there was no money or social currency that would come out of you achieving this goal, would you still do it? Would you still do it if if it was really just just for you and there was nothing that really came out of it? And the second question is, if achieving this goal went against everything society deems ideal and praiseworthy, would I still do it? So this one's taking this a little bit further when we look at society, because once again, we're trying to separate head goals versus heart goals, because head goals really all ultimately are tied in generally with our ego wanting to contour, like control and predict that it's going to receive a certain amount of love, validation, acceptance from achieving this this thing. Like we believe that it's going to give us some form of happiness, which if, you know, I think this is something that needs to be felt, but also is is a, a more of an idea is that happiness is within, it's not outside of us. So the more we can truly understand that, that's when the heart goals become more effortless because we're not trying to win love outside of ourselves or try to find happiness outside of ourself. The inner happiness is really where it's at. That's the that's the nice mana honey. That's the goodness. That's <laughs> the good stuff. <laughs> and you can high octane, you can like run on it, run on it for life. 
because uh, it's yours and you can create it and it's, you know, it's infinite. You can continue to create it. Uh, so, yeah, that that's that other question here is to really look at if achieving this goal went against everything society deems as ideal and praiseworthy, would I, I still like do it? Like recovery in a nutshell, because you're trying to recover from food and food struggles, body image struggles and society really kind of confirms a lot of those things that people believe with an eating disorder and recovery is being like, actually, no, I don't need to shrink my body or, you know, compulsively exercise or do harmful behaviors. And that's, it's a scary one, but it really is like, like last episode where we're, or one of our last few episodes, we're just yelling out, fuck society. It's another time to say fuck society (laughs) because it's really, that's what you're saying. It's within you. It's within your heart. And that's like, I think that's a big, crux a lot of people have to come to with recovery as well as reconciling all these messages about, oh, you should be shrinking your body. And that's what fuels your disorder. So actually, no, you don't need to do that. A better life is, mm. is a different way. And society may not agree with it. And that's that's hard. That's scary. It's not easy. I'm not going to pretend that it is. But really, it's like what you're saying, Jessica, what's, what's good for you? What's good for your inner world? Yeah. That's why I care about this so much like in doing this map my year type of work, because I think that we don't, when we don't stop and give ourselves time to really think about these things, then it like that, it like how many years do we, can you think like living in the or you just get wrapped up into at the end of the year, like what do I need to do next year to like, you know, that diet culture mentality and like, what do I need to like save with and calories I need to, I don't, you know, it just gets so in depth into changing the body as like the form, but what is about just like changing the heart, <laughs> like changing the state of being? Because any goal that we really set, we generally want what the feeling it's going to give us is. That That's why a lot of these questions help you really arrive at that because it's, it's also saying like, I want what the feeling, like why do you want to lose weight? It's because there's some belief around what weight loss will give you and feelings and emotions that will come from that whether it would be confident, um, like what are some other happy, fulfilled, like accepted, you accepted, loved, right? But you could be accepted, loved, confident, fulfilled right now in any body size, like as is right now without needing to change anything. And when we can start to adopt that full, like that's the truth, I can create my own emotional experience here and now meaning I'm not lacking anything, that I'm fulfilled. And from there, I have this more generative, creative ability to now actually look at, well, what do I want? How do I want to fill myself more with my time and my energy? Like, what do I want to be filled with? What, you know, what ignites me? What's my animation, my spark of animation? What animates me? And that's going to be different for everybody, right? Like, Andrea, you and I get animated by very different things. And that's <laughs> the beauty of being a unique human, that we have our own values, our own interests, our own things that pull us. So, yeah, I hope this was a, a, a fun episode for you listeners to connect with your, you know, your goals. And if you haven't said any, I do recommend. Isn't there a third question? No, there's two. Oh, there's two. Okay, my bad. <laughs> Do you have a third question? Do you like? Can you think of one? No, I thought I thought there were. I can't right now. I thought there was three. I, okay, I misheard. <laughs> I don't know. Like, can we think of a third question on the spot? I know. Um, <laughs> well, I guess the third question would be, how do you want to feel? Yeah, there. We'll make a third question. Okay. How do you want to feel 
when you set this goal, because then you'll actually know what it is that is the driver behind the goal and then start to try to find, create that feeling, what you want to feel in your moment to moment life, in your day to day life. Don't feel like that goal, the attainment of that goal is what will give it to you. Because I found that I've been such a goal achiever, like in my life, it's like that. That's why I just absolutely love this work. Because uh, I do believe goals are so helpful in in getting you further along the path in life. But making sure it's coming from the right place is is why I'm so passionate about this. Because you can be really unfulfilled and unhappy and frustrated the whole way, believing that if I just get a little bit further, and if I just get to this goal, if I just get to this goal, and then you recognize years later that, wow, I've never actually felt, allowed myself to feel fulfilled and content and happy just in this current state. And I've always just been, you know, pushing the the mile post or like the yardstick like up and higher and higher and just allowing like to have that I've, I'm arrived. I'm already arrived. I'm always arriving. I'm always in the state of arrival. Not like it's ahead of me because when it's ever ahead of you, it's always this disconnect of not feeling like you have it. Therefore, you're always lacking and you're always less than because Mm -hmm. you don't feel like it's there. So it's like, how can you create a life where you feel that fulfillment more regularly? And we get into this in Map My Year. So once again, recoverywarriors.com slash mindset. If you want to get hooked up with the listener special, we have the mindset makeover that it's, you know, this is a bonus. The Map My Year is a bonus for the mindset makeover. We also have the eating disorder coping skills kit. That is another bonus. So there's about $350 just bonuses uh, that go into this mindset makeover. But the Map My Year is really the one that I'm super excited about. And I just love sharing because this work matters. It really does matter to take a few five hours out of your life to really think about how you want to align yourself in the year ahead. So you're you're on track. You're going in the right direction. You're not spinning your wheels. You're not just sitting there like a ship with no rudder and your <laughs> sails just flapping around. Like you want to align those, tighten those sails, point your bow of your ship to the right direction and, and sail forth, my dear heart. Yeah. My brave heart. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Andrea, do you have any closing remarks about head goals versus heart goals? Yeah, I think um, my closing remark would be to honor both, explore both, reconcile both, and go forward with what pulls you, as Jessica says. <laughs> yeah. And it's okay to have head goals. Like I'm going to say like there's there's things that we can set from the mind. Uh, but we really want to tune into that heart space yeah. more regularly. So And look at the big picture. Just really take it all into consideration rather than just focusing on only head, right? Yeah. Allowing for that grace and space to to lead you into the unknown and tr- know that we're all going into the unknown, everybody. And so the more that we can embrace it and even, dare I say, have fun with it mm-hmm. and create with it and just not see it as this scary abyss, but as this fertile land that you can find so much possibility in, 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 you know, that's going to be a much different way of embracing than the year ahead. And no, you can handle it. Right. Whatever happens, you can handle it. I believe yes, in you. you've <laughs> handled it. You've handled it how many years to date? So I think there is a good uh, track record to show that you can handle life. And what would it look like to experience life from more of a loving, trusting, 
state of surrender as opposed to fearful and anxious and controlling. So that's my, that is my wish for you is that you guys can feel into that heart space and allow yourself to let love guide you, trust and surrender and know that whatever happens, as Andrew said, you can handle it. And if you want support to cultivate the courage to face your own fears in recovery, head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com to get on the waitlist for The Courage Club. The Courage Club is a personalized support system and a supportive community to uplift you every step of the way. Picture yourself surrounded by a community of resilient warriors who genuinely care about your progress and will celebrate every victory, no matter how small, and are walking on a similar path to full eating disorder recovery. Inside, we are tackling struggles with food, body image concerns, and negative thought patterns. Head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com and embrace the journey towards a healthier and happier you. Thank you for tuning in today. And remember that fear doesn't have to hold you back. You can live with greater courage and take back your precious power. Precious power.